Hello, and welcome to Staying In with me, Jan Powell. In this podcast, I'm going to be exploring the different and sometimes thought-provoking ways people are coping during this COVID-19 lockdown. Of the 5.5 billion people in the world, around one-third are in some sort of confinement, and that means staying at home because of the pandemic. I'm talking to a few of them in very different localities, from Paris to Penzance, Istanbul to India, to find out what they're experiencing, the local rules, the frustrations, the highs and lows, and what, if anything, we all have in common. Today I'm catching up with Helen Binge in Lima, capital of Peru, a city perched on the edge of the Pacific Ocean, famous for its fabulous seafood and the grey winter mist which normally replaces rainfall. Helen is a paediatric physiotherapist who arrived in Lima three years ago when her husband Chris took over the headship of the international school Markham College. Helen's most definitely a world traveller. She's worked in the UK and set up her practice in Singapore, Geneva, Hong Kong and most recently Lima. Helen, along with the rest of Lima, is just emerging from one of the strictest and longest lockdowns in the world, in a country that has suffered badly in the coronavirus stakes, with over 300,000 confirmed cases, the second highest in Latin America, despite its strict measures. Hi Helen, good to talk to you. How are you doing? Fine, thank you, Jan. Lovely to hear from you. All the way from France to Lima. Fantastic. Can you describe where you are and what you would see if you were looking out of your window at the moment? Um, So I'm at home in our apartment in Barranco. And Barranco is one of the suburbs of Lima, south of the centre. And we are very lucky that our apartment overlooks the Pacific Ocean. Uh, So we have fantastic views over the Pacific Ocean. It's uh, a grey day today. We're coming into winter. So that's um, that's pretty typical of Lima, isn't it? It's it's quite a grey place, isn't it, in uh, a lot of the year? With that mist it's famous for? Yeah, absolutely. In the winter months, um, it can be. But interestingly, this year... Even though we're quite well into July and normally you get this sort of oppressive grey mist falling down, it's been a lot clearer. And I think that the lack of pollution that we've had during lockdown has made quite a difference to the climate. So you, you are officially still in lockdown, but it's easing up a bit, isn't it? It's definitely easing up. It has eased up, particularly in the last couple of weeks. Um, a number of things we are now allowed to do that we certainly weren't at the beginning or even a month ago. Um, So yes, life life is generally feeling a bit easier. We're allowed to go out a lot more. It's been one of the longest lockdowns in the world. I mean, 114 days and, and one of the toughest. So can you, first of all, can you remember what it was like, what it felt like right at the beginning? Yes, I can quite distinctly. Um, it, came as a bit of a shock, to be quite honest with you. It was a pretty um, hard and quick lockdown. Uh, In fact, the day we got wind of it was Sunday, March the 15th. 
and we were actually having a lovely time out with friends in an extremely nice restaurant, Sunday lunch, and we were all chatting, and somebody got wind of the fact that this lockdown may happen. People were started to look on their phones, and then once they started to look on their phones and messages started coming through, we thought, okay, fine, well, we'll, we'll see what happens. And we all finished our lunch and said our goodbyes and went off in our various ways. And the minute we got in the door, by the time we put the television on and any other form of news, um, we found out the lockdown was happening first thing the next morning, Monday morning, and it was going to be a very strict lockdown indeed. So I do remember, I remember it very well, and I remember having lots of mixed emotions about it, but particularly feeling like, goodness me, with these restrictions and the borders closed, the international borders closed, I feel a bit like a prisoner. I feel like a, a caged bird, to be quite honest with you. Yeah, quite quite frightening, that's, that feeling. I remember it even here, which um, it was not as strict. It was quite tough. But I, I remember yeah. that feeling of being trapped, which was really very unpleasant. Things are easing up a little bit now. H- how are things changing? What's What could you do now that you couldn't do before? Okay, so right now, in the last couple of weeks, um, we're now allowed out in the car, and there's allowed to be two of us in the car. Um, officially, we should be a metre apart, so ideally, somebody, the driver should be in the front seat, obviously, and um, the passenger in the back seat. Uh, we are allowed to go up to 100 kilometres away, I believe, not that we have been, but we're allowed into different districts now in the car, which certainly weren't allowed to before. Um, We are allowed to have people in the house as regards to like having a cleaner or a gardener in the house, and they don't have to get a special labour pass to come to us. Um, And as of last Sunday, we're allowed out on a Sunday because Sunday's been a curfew day now so we are actually allowed to go out and have a walk and um or a run or a jog or whatever we'd like up to three kilometers away so things are definitely easing up as far as that's concerned and there were some pretty special rules right at the beginning weren't there um you weren't allowed out uh, on the same days. Men could go out one day. Women could go out the yes. other. Was that was that something that happened? What was that, that is, like? Yes, that happened for about a week or two. That didn't happen very long. Right at the very beginning, during that time, they kept changing the rules. And there, as you mentioned earlier, there was this gender split at one stage. They realised that they were not getting enough people off the streets. So um, quite cunningly, I thought, they decided that the way they were going to do it was do this gender split, uh, which was controversial. So, for example, if you were female, you were allowed out on Tuesdays, Thursdays and Saturdays. And if you were male, you were allowed out Monday, Wednesday, Friday, um, which meant that ha- roughly <laughs> half the people were kept off the street. Of course, um, it, had its, it had its ups and its downs. Um, it only lasted one or two weeks. Um, and I believe one of the reasons that it didn't, evade and, and last any longer was, I mean, there were, there were several reasons, but um, one of the reasons was actually, unfortunately, they were finding that gender-based violence was actually a problem in quite a number of households, and that females who were not allowed to get out every day um, were actually suffering more violence than they had 
been in the past. So that was one of the main reasons that they stopped it. That's been one of the awful side effects of this lockdown, hasn't it? I mean, I think it'll be a story that's told in the future when Mm -hmm. people really get to know what the impact of domestic violence being enclosed in a small space. Absolutely, in many countries, yeah. yeah. In many countries, not just in Peru. I mean, in in many countries. Yeah, Um, yeah, but I I was quite amused by um, how... um, Tell us the story about how you men in supermarkets. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, that's there. wonderful. So, um, yeah, when it first happened, and uh, we needed some supermarkets, so Chris quite happily went off to the supermarket with the list that we discussed beforehand. And when he got there, he found that all these men in the supermarket, maybe one or two women that were um, working in there, who actually were looking dumbfounded most of the time, were standing there largely getting their mobile phones out, phoning back to their wives and their girlfriends and their mothers, (laughs) checking to see whether they were buying the right thing. Because uh, in this country, on the whole, men don't do the shopping. Women do the shopping, yes. Gender equality hasn't hit Peru then. Not quite, not in all sectors. You're, you're a physiotherapist, so obviously um, that's not going to happen during a lockdown. So how did you cope when you suddenly found yourself with all this time on your hands? And what did you do to pass the hours? Well, that's interesting. I Initially, I panicked a bit about what am I going to do about my work? Because as you mentioned, I'm a physio, a pediatric physio. And I had a line of patients lined up for the next couple of weeks as soon as lockdown was announced. So immediately I had to go about cancelling them. And ever being hopeful, in fact, I postponed them rather than cancelled them, saying, oh, you know, in a couple of weeks' time, this will all be blown over and um, hopefully we'll see you then. Okay, haha, that wasn't that wasn't going to happen. Um, so I, I did actually have to cancel them. So... One of the other things that I had to do was uh, become a lot more proficient um, in the tech field and start using Skype more, which I was already using a bit, but not so much for work. And um, things like Zoom, which I've got a lot more proficient at. Um, So I could actually continue some of my work um, over online. Um, So... I can give advice to parents. Um, I can show them some exercises online. It's not the same. It's not. I'm not fulfilling my 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 correct role as a, as a pediatric therapist when I can, mm. um, you know, lay my hands on and feel the difference in a child's muscle tone or or, or muscle bulk or you know how their neurological system is behaving. It's not the same. But it's there. Interestingly, it's also affected my, um, I run a non-for-profit baby group here, mother and baby group called Lima Babies. And it affected that. We were were due to meet that Thursday immediately after lockdown. And normally mums and babies come to us and we weigh and measure them and chat to them about different problems that you can have when you're, you know, a new parent. Um, Of course. And um, we couldn't provide that support so we already had a Facebook group so we we've set you know we carried on with the Facebook group of course it's not the same as as actually sitting down chatting to people so finally this week it's taken us a while for various reasons we are are starting a Zoom Lima Babies um and I've got lots of um 
make up for that. Lots of people are very excited about that. And although at the time I thought it was really disappointing, it actually had an upside because two of the people that work with me are now living in the States. Um, one was repatriated out. Um, and one is our breastfeeding counselor who's now in Florida. One is our pediatrician who is now in Tennessee. And, of course, they can join us on Zoom, um, which they couldn't have joined us if um, we were physically all together. Um, so, in fact, it has its advantages and disadvantages, strangely. Yeah. I feel that we're already looking back a little bit. I mean, I, I'm now, what, almost um, sort of six weeks out of lockdown here, and you are just about easing up on it. So it's it's not that much of a distant thing for you. But um, looking back at this strange period of time, um, what's been the worst thing about it for you? And, and maybe what's been the best? Okay, so the worst thing, I think, as I mentioned earlier, about feeling a bit like a caged bird, um, I think I was particularly struck by the fact that I couldn't travel anywhere, um, particularly the international borders being closed and not seeing an end to that happening. Um, as as you know, I have family, family abroad, a lot of family in the UK, and the idea of not being physically able to get there under any circumstances seemed, that to me was quite shocking, I'll be quite honest with you. And what's been what's been the best? I mean, I, I look back and I think, well, at the time it seemed pretty grim, but there were there were some some high points. What's been best for you? It's been a lot of good things, really. Um, I certainly spent a lot more time cooking, and and anyone that knows me knows that I love to cook. But there's always been so <laughs> I do, do yes. I do, and I love to eat. And there's been. Um, mm so many recipes that I've been wanting to try and I've actually managed to get around to doing these recipes which is fantastic so I've spent a lot more time learning other things um learning um learning other skills certainly tech skills as I mentioned before I feel a lot easier with Skype with Zoom with Vencaster whatever than I would have done uh, would have done several months ago so that's brought on some skills there I feel the same. I mean, but I look back in April here, there was, I think lots of people have mentioned it, but this amazing quietness, yes. this stillness yes. and the sound of birds and Absolutely. the sound of, you know, early in the mm. morning, the dawn chorus, no traffic. Um, that was extraordinary. And that, I think that's something I won't forget, um, you know, what it can be like when when life just just stills down a little bit and maybe that's something that we'll take away from all of this absolutely i um w we felt the same we overlooked the pacific ocean and there's be been a number of, of things apart there's a road between us and the and the um and the ocean obviously in the beginning it was very very quiet and a couple of things have been reported to us in the next door suburb which is called chariots um in the sea there have been whales sighted which normally don't come anywhere near the shore um which is fantastic and also wow did you see no them? unfortunately no, see i'm not them. so no, next door them. suburb mm. in our suburb and i didn't get to see them annoyingly probably because my eyesight isn't so good is we've had dolphins a lot nearer the shore than we normally get so that's that's mm. fantastic you talked about bird life but this is sea life but and we've also had a lot of different bird life as well so yes there are some some real positives that come out of this. And I think there's positives about 
having to be locked down and be introspective and maybe find yourself in your relationship with whoever you're living with as well. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> For better, For or, better worse. or worse. Indeed. <laughs> um, Peru started its lockdown um, before many European countries did. It was the first country in Latin America to to lock down. And yet it has had some pretty poor statistics. It's done badly in the corona stakes, if you Mm. like. Um, You've got around 300,000 confirmed cases, the second highest infections in uh, Latin America apart from Brazil, um, I know you're not a public health specialist, Helen, but from your perspective and from the people that you're talking with, um, any ideas what went wrong? What, what? Why has the country been so badly hit? Any thoughts about sure, that? Sure, lots of thoughts. Um, it is multifactorial. Peru is very, very diverse, not only in its um, culture in different parts of the world, in parts of Peru, um, but also in its climates. And so the um, for example, we have the Andean communities, which live up high and are very remote, and it's snowing up there now, and they're, they're far away. We've got the communities in the Amazon in the tropical rainforests who are completely cut off as far as many um, health resources are the lack of availability in health resources, um, which is very different from metropolitan Lima, which has 11 million people and um, and very good health resources normally, but it's, a, it's an urban city. And then we've got people in the desert in the south um, who are mm. in remote villages um, in a different climate yet again. Um, but they are remote. And so the health care in the rest of the country has been very sparse indeed. And that's part of the reason. Another reason is, as I'm sure you've been to Latin America, now Latin Americans gen- generally aren't into social distancing very much. All right? It's a very um, open and uh, intimate community. People like to embrace each other and kiss each other. And of course, social distancing is another another reason. And we have markets here. A lot of people um, buy their groceries in open markets here because a lot of people don't have refrigeration. So they used to go mm. to the market every day to get all the wonderful fresh fruit and vegetables that are available here. But it's an open market with lots and lots of people. And I think it took them a long time to be strict about the hygiene of those markets mm. um, and the social distancing. So, yeah, and I suppose if you if you haven't got a haven't got a fridge, you've you've got to go to the market every Absolutely. day. Absolutely, and that's normal day masses of food. Yeah, yeah. that's normal okay. everyday life here. Having said that, you know, the different there are seven different areas of Peru now that are still on a much stricter lockdown than than what I had mentioned. I'm talking about. Oh, I Lima. see. So it's, yeah. so it's special in Lima, but you've got particular conditions. Absolutely. So they've zoned it. Zoned it. As they did in France, actually, uh-huh. at the beginning, they yeah. zoned it in France. We were sort of red, green, and orange. I right. think it was. You know, green was go. You're. You, it wasn't go, but you were you you were allowed a certain amount of flexibility. Uh-huh. But some areas were red, and yes. they were still on a very strict lockdown. So. Not so different. No, absolutely. There are parallels there indeed. The overall numbers of Peru don't look good because of these particular regions. And there are some regions that are actually um, 
really quite good indeed. We've shot off, I believe, on the world statistics to fifth country in the world um, not doing so well on infections but nevertheless our death rate is surprisingly good much better than the the British death rate um, or the Spanish death rate and certainly than the US death rate so uh, again that's multifactorial um, because they believe that a lot of the people that live in the Andean communities and therefore are you know, over 3,000 to 5,000 metres above sea level um, are, if they do get the virus, are recovering much better because of their cardiovascular system. Maybe um, it works at a different level and a different pace to people that live live at sea level. So there's there's lots and lots of different things um, make having an effect. Yes. Yeah, very interesting. I've read too somewhere that there's been quite a substantial financial um, support yes. being given to the poor because the poor are the ones who have been worst hit by this. Obviously, if you but, if you can't if you're a daily worker or an informal worker, you can't work, you don't earn, you don't eat. Um, but that there's a problem that so many people in Peru do not have bank that's accounts. True. So how do you get that money? That's true. Um, and there are photographs I've seen pictures of huge queues outside banks trying to get access to money which must also have increased must have created you know transmission hotspots absolutely Jen that's super interesting as you point out so 70 percent they say in Peru generally is in the informal economy all right so people that really are living hand to mouth all right so things like street food vendors street cleaners Plus, we have a significant Venezuelan um, refugee community in in Peru as well, which which adds to that, that end of the specter. Uh, so, and uh, and on top of that, they say that thirty one percent of Peruvians have bank accounts. However, when the government did give the subsidies early on to um, families in lower socioeconomic groups. And they continue to do so in, in, in other areas. They've been very generous on that. Um, people were allowed to go to the bank to pick up the subsidy. If they didn't have a bank account, they couldn't do it online or anything. They had to go to the bank and line up. And now they are discovering that, yes, that actually banks and the counters in the banks and the queues in the banks were big infection hotspots because of the lack of social yeah. distancing. Yeah. A hindsight is a wonderful thing. Isn't it just? Isn't it just? You've been, what, a few days out of the strictest lockdown now. Um, what were you looking forward to doing most once that lockdown began to ease? And more important, have you been able to do it yet? Well, certainly one of the things, yes. The thing I was looking forward to most was getting my hair cut it was driving me crazy I had the the whole COVID hair syndrome and I couldn't wait to get to the hairdressers so I went and it was marvelous but it was very strange at the same time so what being masked and covered in gowns absolutely it was something I felt like I was somewhere between um on a Star Trek mission a surgical theatre so <laughs> because they have to follow very strict protocols obviously I have to wear a mask because that's obligatory everywhere that's one good thing everybody is wearing a mask when they go out 
Um, when I arrive at the door, I have to have my feet disinfected, my clothes disinfected. Um, obviously, I use um, gel on my hands as well, which they provide. They are running at 50% capacity because they have to have every seat every other seat unoccupied, and um, they are in full protective gear. They look like astronauts. They've got the whole protective <laughs> shields, the, the full, you know, gloves. They, every time they, they brush your hair, they disinfect the brush. Every time they get out the pair of scissors again, they definitely disinfect that. So it's a, it was a weird experience, but I have to say it felt quite wonderful afterwards, and it was nice, nice to speak to my hairdresser in person. <laughs> So that's what. Although they wouldn't be able, to, <laughs> she wouldn't be able to ask you where are you going for your holidays, would she or he? No, she wasn't. We had plenty <laughs> other things to talk about, so that was all right. I'm sure, <laughs> they must get tired talking about COVID, mustn't they? You'd I mean, imagine yeah, so. Over and over yes. again. Yeah. yeah. Um, She's only too um, thrilled to be back at work. Quite honestly. If I if I was in Lima, I think one of the things I'd be looking forward to is going to one of those wonderful restaurants and having one of those delicious mm-hmm. fishy spicy chilled delicious things um ha- have you been missing that are the restaurants still functioning will they be able to keep going despite the lockdown i mean it must have been must have had an incredible impact on the hospitality industry as it has everywhere absolutely so in lima itself nearly two weeks ago when the this easing came in they said that restaurants could open up if they wanted to, following strict protocols and having the um, Ministry of Salud, the Ministry of Health coming in to check, um, they're allowed to open at 40% capacity. And I believe some people have been going. I've, I've asked the restaurants in the car and, and it looks as though people are going in. We have not been. We're being a little bit careful. Uh, deliveries have been allowed for a long time, food deliveries. They've been allowed for... Oh, so you still At got that wonderful two. ceviche? And, oh yes, and, yeah. Uh, you can yeah. get those if you if you want them. Um, and uh, you know, I have a few friends that that couldn't wait to uh, for that to happen, um, and and they've been availing themselves of a delivery service quite a long time now. Um, so yes, the ceviche and um, all the other wonderful. Peruvian dishes that we get here because we're in Lima and we're right by the sea we get a lot not just the ceviche but lots of other seafood dishes like octopus and crab and all those other wonderful things tell me about that uh, the, the wonderful restaurant where you could get a tasting menu and they were still oh, yes. delivering it online. okay so this is a, a world famous restaurant called Central which um, is also in Barranco where we live now and they do, people come from all over the world to go to this restaurant. And uh, Virgilio Martinez, who, who owns the restaurant and is the head chef there, he does, one of the things he does is a 17-course tasting menu. And it's inspired by the different altitudes and microclimates in Peru. So each course is meant to... Um, remind you of and give you a taste of food that has grown at that particular altitude and it's absolutely it's absolutely fantastic and um so they started doing deliveries um it must be several weeks 17 courses they did well i doubt it i i would imagine that they would have (laughs) had to adapt their their normal uh normal menu for for delivery um i think they're open again now for the full 17 courses if you want to well i really hope that at some point 
we shall be able to get together and taste some of that Peruvian seafood or that fusion food, isn't yeah. it? I mean, it, it was, was, fusion, it was yeah. a high point. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so yeah. do I. That would be fantastic. Yes. <laughs> Let's try and look forward to that, um, either in Lima or somewhere oh, in fair. Europe. I'm sure we can find Peruvian food. Um, Helen, it's been lovely talking to you. And uh, yeah, I hope this... Uh, lockdown continues to ease and you'll be getting back to see your family by the end of the year Um, thank you i'm sure that must be something you miss a lot bye for now and um yeah see you very soon take care jan look after yourself in france won't you thank you all right take care thank you it's been a pleasure bye that was staying in with me jan powell thank you for listening if you've made it this far it's been a family affair A big thank you goes to Hugo Powell for his music, audio production and patience. If you've enjoyed the podcast, please do share and subscribe. The next one will be along very soon. 